You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Uh, thanks for bearing with me through the week off. Had a nice family vacation. Glad to be back, though. Glad to be talking some TCU uh, sports with you. And we'll start today with some TCU football. A lot of news over the past week, so I'll try to hit some highlights. Um, but we are over, you know, we're done with spring ball now. We're barreling towards, you know, the full-on off season that leads us into the first season of the Sunny Dog Sarah. And I want to talk about some additions of the roster. Um, we'll be back on YouTube tomorrow on the just normal uh, podcast platforms today. I had some issue with my video, but I'll get that sorted out, and we'll be up and running on YouTube on Tuesday. But again, uh, thanks for joining me on today's show. Um, So those roster additions, TCU football, trying to put some finishing touches on that roster as I get set up for the new season. And a big transfer coming in um, last week, Tymon Mitchell, defensive lineman out of Georgia. Now, the first thing that stands out about Mitchell is that size, you know, we talked about the three-man front that TC will be transitioning to um, needing bigger bodies. He's 6'3", 300 pounds. That's what he's listed at. Originally from Nashville as part of the 2019 Georgia recruiting class. Part of that national championship team played uh, in five games last season. Now, the stats don't jump off the page. Had two tackles in 2021, but made an appearance every year. So, I, I think, you know, one encouraging thing about this is even if it's somebody who's on the fringe of the rotation. If you're in the rotation at any position at Georgia, uh, that's a huge deal. If you're in the rotation on a Georgia defense that put a lot of players in the NFL over the weekend uh, during the NFL draft, and on that defensive line that was loaded, that's significant. Now, you know, Timon, obviously, he's transferring for a reason. A big part of that, I would imagine, is that he wasn't getting the playing time that he thought he should. Um, there on, on campus in Athens. But nice pickup for TCU. If nothing else, it's some depth. But I think this is more significant. Uh, it's someone who can fit into that nose tackle. We, we've discussed this at length. They don't have a ton of guys that are traditional, you know, three-man front nose tackles on the roster. They don't just have that size. And this seems like the type of player um, that could be used up front in that capacity, or you could kick out to the outside. Some versatility there, uh, but I'm excited to see what happens. You know, as he gets involved in the off-season program, as he starts to make a mark um, on campus at TCU and in Fort Worth. But it's a big pickup, um, and and that jumps them up in the 247 rankings. So 247 is actually doing rankings on specifically recruiting classes. And now that puts them at number 11 in the country. TCU has done a really nice job adding pieces, both depth and I think guys that are going to be impact players uh, this upcoming season in the transfer portal. Sonny Dykes and his staff did a very good job of that when they were at SMU. Um, there were some questions about, okay, at a Power 5 school, can you use that same mentality? And they're at least trying to do it. Now, how successful is it? We'll see. It remains to be seen, you know, when they actually hit the field. Um, but I think this is a, a significant pickup for the Frogs. Getting somebody who, you know, fits the new defense, who can take up space, um, has some experience at the highest level playing in Georgia, 
even if the playing time was somewhat sporadic, it's still um, a great place for him to start and be developed. And now he'll get a chance uh, under defensive line coach Jamarcus McFarland at TCU to hopefully, you know, learn the position more and get some more reps in this defense. So that was the big transfer news. Also, TCU has a couple more commits for the 2023 class. And, um, I mean, it's still early, but I was starting to get concerned. You know, Jordan Bailey was the only commit uh, at the moment until late last week. Uh, but a, a pair of players committed to TCU recently, um, one of those being Trevor Goodsby. He's an offensive lineman from Melissa, Texas. Three-star recruit. Again, a really nice frame on this guy. 6'7", 280. So you see the height, the length. Um, you would imagine there's going to be some ability there to grow into that frame, uh, you know, to put on some good weight when he gets in a college strength and conditioning program. Again, three-star player, you know, had an offer list that included Colorado State, Hartmouth, Jackson State, and Kansas. Um, so this team and this program, they have to get better up front on the offensive and defensive lines. And here's an example of finding guys who fit that bill with good size, with some ability. And A.J. Ricker and, and Coach Dykes um, liked what they saw from Trevor. So he becomes the second commit for this class. And then later on in the weekend, Rowan Fullian uh, from Gilmer, Texas, he committed to the Frogs as well, another three-star commit. Now he's listed as an athlete on these recruiting services. He did a little bit of everything for Gilmer. And uh, if you know Gilmer, that is the Buckeyes are one of the best programs in high school football. They're consistently playing in the last weekend of the season, playing at AT&T Stadium um, for a state title. He had offers from Houston, Incarnate World, Louisiana Tech, Louisiana Monroe. I expect uh, this guy to get more attention as the recruiting cycle heats up for 2022 because of his uh, his athletic ability. But um, he played wide receiver, he played defensive back, played some running back for Gilmer last year. He was also a standout athlete in basketball and track and field. Your typical sort of smaller school, but 4A is a good level of competition. Smaller school, do everything type of athlete. Um, and those guys can be highly successful at the next level. So excited to see some momentum on the recruiting trail for TCU football for that 2023 class. An impact player for next year in time in Mitchell. Um, the transfer from Georgia coming in, and they continue to fill out that roster as we head towards um, the fall and the inaugural season of the Sunny Dykes era. Coming up next, we're going to talk TCU baseball. Uh, tough week, tough weekend out in Tallahassee. This team still has everything in front of them, um, but man, a, a pretty, I wouldn't say a setback, but not feeling great about the way they played this weekend. We'll talk about that next. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. Okay, segment two here on Locked on Horn Frogs. Let's talk some TCU baseball. Uh, tough week for the Frogs. This team is so confusing, man. I mean, I, I guess they're not confusing. I'm going to try to make sense of it. So the last two weekends, take two out of three from Oklahoma State. Huge get just boat raced on Friday night, bounce back, win on Saturday, hold on Saturday, and then a comeback win on Sunday against the Pokes. Gets them to 12-6 and six in the league. Looks like they're in the driver's seat to win a Big 12 title. And they're still in the mix for that. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, the week before that, sweep Texas Tech. 
I mean, the best they've played all year. Just complete domination of a really good tech team. And then they take on DBU on a Tuesday night. Blow a lead. Had a 5-1 lead. End up losing 6-5. Frustrating loss. Bullpen just gave it up. Drew Hill struggled. Uh, River Ridings continues to struggle. That's a problem. And Garrett Wright was finally able to sell things down, but he gave up the lead before he could. Uh, and then go to Tallahassee this weekend, and on Friday night, Riley Cornelia just gets shelled. And that's the biggest issue right now. Um, don't know what's going on with Riley. Got knocked around in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. Which, you know, not shocking. Like, had a bad start. Okay, these things happen. He'd been on an incredible run. He was due to blow a tire at some point. Um, the start against Florida State, though, did not even record an out before giving up three runs, a lot of hard-hit balls. Um, and, I mean, at one point, like, had a pitch that didn't even make it to the plate. Like, just looked all over the place. And so Kirk Sarley's pulled and brought in Cam Brown. And Cam, you know, momentarily kind of stopped the bleeding, but they could never recover from the bad start. Um, I'm not fully pressing the panic button on Riley yet. It's two bad starts. But I would say it's it's very concerning that you, you know, had a bad start on the road against Oklahoma State. Okay. Makes sense. To not bounce back against Florida State and really to do worse um, that just, in my mind, I'm wondering, okay, is this a mental issue? Is, or, is there some shoulder tightness going on here or something like that that we're going to hear about later on down the road? Um, it's a problem and it's a problem they're going to have to fix. And I don't know what their options are <laughs> because the last week coming off a series against Oklahoma State, you know, Austin Krobe came in in relief and he pitched a little bit against Florida State too. And... I was thinking, man, like this rotation could end up looking really good going into the postseason if if Krobe can get stretched out to a point where he can be a starter again, because then you could potentially roll out Cornelio, Krobe, you know, you could keep Marcelo Perez in the rotation, you could move back to the bullpen, Brett Walker started a lot of games, um, Cam Brown and, and Cademan Parker are some good, young, exciting arms that have seemed to come around a little bit as the year's gone on. More Parker than Brown, but Brown hasn't has many opportunities because he was on a Tuesday night, and then he got put in the weekend rotation, and he sort of fell out of that and lost his role. But if, if Riley can't steady the ship here, then you suddenly have a much bigger problem. And... Kirk Sarlu's told the Frogs Today crew uh, after that series in Stillwater that they were going to be really patient with Austin because he's coming back from you know a long injury, a long recovery process. You don't want him to re-aggravate it. There's obviously potentially a major league future for him as well. You want to protect him and make sure he's okay. But now what was maybe considered a luxury down the stretch is all of a sudden a need. If, if Riley can't figure this out. And on Saturday, um, had a 3 nothing lead. Looked like they were kind of cruising. You know, Marcelo Perez was able to work himself out of some trouble. And then in the fifth inning, uh, just gave up back-to-back home runs. Hit a batter. 
and all of a sudden the game was tied and the bullpen struggled. Austin Krobe came in, Luke Savage gave up some free bases. You know, Krobe came in, gave up a three-run homer, and all of a sudden you're down seven to three. And then he settled down and pitched well um, over the next inning and a half, but it wasn't enough. So everything is still in front of this team. Um, they're twelve and six. They're a game behind Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State swept Texas and Austin this weekend. Horns did no favors for the Horn Frogs. Uh, had a, Texas had a seven nothing lead today against the Pokes. Blew that. Lost ten to eight. Gave up a ten spot in the eighth inning. Just an amazing class. So Oklahoma State's a game up on TCU with six games to go. Uh, the Pokes play Texas Tech at home this coming weekend. And then in a couple weeks, they get uh, Baylor on the road, I believe. And Baylor's really struggling right now. Texas Tech is, uh, I think, a game behind TCU. And so those are the three teams that are sort of vying for first place. Oklahoma is still technically sort of in the mix. Texas has now fallen out of it. The Frogs will play Oklahoma this weekend. I still think if they win five out of six, that would put them at 17 and seven to end the season. And I believe that gives you a pretty good shot to at least split the Big 12 title. You know, it, it all depends on what happens between Oklahoma State and Tech, but I think that is, is sort of the, the benchmark to shoot for when you're talking about Big 12 title. Um, but I don't, I mean, I don't have a ton of hope right now. Because of the way this weekend played out. Now, uh, the Frogs and Seminoles played again today, or on Sunday. You're listening to us on Monday. And TCU uh, struggled early. They fell behind 4 nothing. It was a 5-1 game. Now, Porter Brown hit a three-run homer. Porter Brown hit two home runs this weekend. So watch out for that. That's an exciting development to cut the lead to 6-5. Uh, so TCU was right back in the game, and then a rain delay happened, and they couldn't get out of the rain delay before the travel curfew, so the game was called. It wasn't an official game. So I don't know if they would have been able to come back tonight or not, but they at least avoid getting swept. I guess technically they got swept, but not in the three-game series. So can you win five out of six down the stretch? And, you know, a big key will be taking the series from Oklahoma at home this weekend. Here's, here's my thoughts on where TCU is at. Um, I think the starting pitching has sort of hit a wall. And this happened last year, too. You know, Russell Smith went through his injury issue and then came back and wasn't really the same. Sort of found his form again late in the season. Austin Crowe went through a lull. Uh, Johnny Ray, you know, couldn't get out. And they had to go to Chuck King. But all of that sort of happened simultaneously in the season, went, or the team went through a rough stretch. And so TCU's kind of dealing with that right now. I think Riley Cornelio, we'll see how he does, but he's really struggling at the moment. Uh, I think Marcelo Perez, you know what you're getting from him. You're probably just going to get four innings, and that's fine. Marcelo has done what he's been asked to do, but that's sort of the limitation you're working with going into the game. And then Brett Walker is getting hit. And, you know, Brett, like, he pitches to contact. Um, nobody gives up more two-out hits than Brett Walker, it feels like. I don't know what that's about. But, you know, he's he's struggling to get out of innings, and he just had a bad outing today. Um, 
So, you know, could Austin Crowe kind of study that? We'll see. Riley Cornelio uh, getting back to form would be huge. The bullpen has their issues. River Ridings is really struggling right now. You know, so they're kind of trying to figure out how to work the back end of that pen. Luke Savage is still having a good season. He's been a little more hittable lately, though. Um, and then finally, the lineup. I, I think the lineup is fine, but they struggle to score runs at times. If they're not hitting home runs or getting free passes, it's just a group that struggles to string hits together. And so everything's still in front of them, but can you bounce back and find a way to fight and win a series against OU and then potentially sweep Kansas? Well, we'll see over the next few weeks. That'll do it for Locked on Horn Frogs today. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Good to be back. I'll talk to you tomorrow. This is uh, uh, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.